Yeah. Man, we are. <laughs> Welcome to Tales from a Gemini's BT. We are in a mood. This is a Friday. I had to do this because I'm going to be out of town next week. Um, going to Oklahoma City to perform. And right now, we are just goofy in the studio. We're at each other's throat, but in a, in a good way. I got a guest on today. Um, man, this guy, I, I'm going to wait till he comes on to describe it. I, I just, I love this guy. He's a comedian. And we kind of match up as far as everything. And he... He is a perfect example of how this business is, man. You just don't quit. You stay in it and you grind. Everybody looks at the superstars like Kevin Hart and, and the big guys, Bill Burr or, or Louis C.K. And there's guys like this guy, and he grinds, and he grinds, and he's funny, and he grinds. He's been up. He's been down. You know, and so I'm going to have him on. His name's Sean Latham. He's half of the uh, Sun's Blazing podcast and $20 Chef on uh, Instagram, which is great. You got to watch it. And I just, I love this guy. He's helped me out in every situation as a comic and helping other comics out. And that's why I love him. And uh, I'm so hopefully he's going to be clicking on in a minute because I don't want to talk too much. Uh, so, yeah, I'll tell you, ready? Uh, you can click. I'm going to say you can click on now. That's what I love about this, man. This is the part I like. It's like a garage band, watching a garage band. You know, we're doing all this unprofessional shit. But it's, it's professional. I don't give a shit. You can, I'm saying you can click on now. And uh, are you clicking on uh, uh, Malik? He has not yet, no. Okay. That's, uh, my, I tell you what, Malik, our sound engineer, I love oh the guy, right? Oh, my God. <laughs> no, this is what he said. This is the funniest thing he's ever said to me, right? He talks about what kind of pizza. He goes, what kind of pizza you like? And I said, I like mushroom and spinach. And he goes, have you always liked mushrooms? I go, yeah, I don't know when I started liking them, but I like them. And he goes, <laughs> he goes, yeah, I can see that. A lot of old people like mushrooms because they're soft. and <laughs> It's not hard on your teeth and everything. And I go... Fuck you, Malik. And I and I thought that was funny. That's the funny thing he's ever said. So Malik, I like that, man. You're part of the you you could be a comedian now, man. I mean that shit, Malik. That was great. Thanks. It's always been my life's goal. You know, you, you, you hear that? You hear that? Uh, that's twenty one talking to uh, experience. Yeah. Twenty two, excuse me, talking to experience here. And I like that. I I, I want to give him a whooping right now, is what I want to do. So uh yeah, anytime now, anytime now, we should be getting uh Sean Latham on. My buddy Sean, is he clicking on? He has not yet, no. Okay. But but you sent it to the right email, right? Yeah, I'm double checking that now. Yeah, please double check that now. I mean, it'd be great, you know. It'd be great if you did your job. That'd be awesome. I know. Now that, that, that was shitty, wasn't it? That was. I like that, wasn't it? That was a little. Uh. Even Wyatt was like, "BT, that was that was uncalled for." <laughs> like like yesterday, I wasn't talking to you. <laughs> yeah, you, you understand? Yesterday, uh, there's, there's this woman who passed by, and she was looking yeah, beautiful, right? And so I said, "Wow, you look like a supermodel." <laughs> And there was an old lady that was behind her, five step, and she turned around and said, thank you. And I go, I wasn't talking to you. And I said it like that. And, man, I did feel like shit when I said that. And and luckily she understood that, I, you know, I didn't mean it like that. And I said, I'm sorry. And she's, oh, it's okay. But I know she had to be like, you know, fuck you, you son of a bitch. And she had to be thinking that. And I didn't really mean it like that. But here we go, man. Let's have some fun on a Friday. Here we go. What's up, Sean? Latham. There he is. What's, What's up, up brother? Nice studio you got over there. Well, thank you, brother. I'm doing all right, huh? Where you at? You got the guy. You got foot traffic out front. Hell yeah, my, I'm on Market Street, bro. Living like a motherfucking <laughs> boss. Living like a boss. Learn that from you, though, bro. Learn that from you. Living nah, like you a was boss. already. You was doing that before we knew who each other was. Shit. Let me tell you something. This time last year, I, I'm gonna put it out there right now. This time last year, I was struggling. I was thinking about, you know, we had the mask on anyway. I was like, you know what? I gotta make some money. Maybe I should run up in, you know, a liquor store or something. Get what I gotta get. And I did a and a podcast. 
Out of nowhere, they go, hey, you want to do a podcast? Sean Latham and Tom McComas say, hey, you want to do a podcast? I go, yeah, man, I ain't doing nothing. And so I did the podcast, had a great time. And these guys Venmoed me money to help me. They didn't know how bad I was, but they Venmoed me money. I didn't even ask that they did it. That's how great of a heart this dude had. And that shit, man, touched me like a mother. I mean, I was sitting there going, oh, man, that shit hit me in my feels, bro. You know, you can't say that shit to another dude, but you go, you know, like, hey, thanks, man. But I was like, oh. And I mean, that's the kind of dude you are. But, that's, but now I was t saying this before we came in the air. What I love about you, man, is... The grind, people see the big dudes, like, you know, a heart or a, or just the big guys, you know, a Cedric Entertainer or whatever, and they don't see the grind. And there's guys who are funny, who put it in, but they got to put that grind that no one sees. And you, I see your grind, and it's paid off, man, from, from where you've been. I mean, you've, you've traveled, you opened up for a big name act, and then you separated, went on your own, and then you moved, and then... Your story is just great. So I'm going to start from the beginning with you, man. Where, you're born and raised what, in L.A.? Where were you from originally? You know what? I, I, um, I had kind of a little, I don't, know, I don't know if I'd say dysfunctional, but, you know, I, I was born in L.A. And then uh, uh, my mom moved us around a lot. You know, like we, my mom got remarried. We moved to Ohio when I was in my second grade. We were, my mom was married for a couple of years there. And then shit didn't, you know, uh, his business collapsed and. We ended up with his family in Alabama for like a year Damn. and then and then the shit fell apart there. My mom, we moved back to my grandparents and then he supposedly was going to come. And I remember to this day like saying, bye, dad, I'll see you next week. And I ain't seen that motherfucker since. <laughs> Damn. And, uh, Holy you know, I'm, shit. I'm, and how old were you? To, how old were I you? Was a little, I was a little kid. I was like in second grade. Now, did you I mean? Yeah, that you, was the last time I ever called anybody dad. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, that that fucked everything. That, that was like that was like my little my little trust. My little that, that's when you learn about trust, I guess, when you're little, and then that motherfucker never shows back up. And then, uh, I, but you know, I have my family, and I have my mom, my grand. I mean, we live with my grandparents um, for for years. There, I lived back in L.A. And then, uh, and then I was there. We were there. Then my mom, out, you know, she had met somebody else. So, like in fifth grade, we left and went to South Carolina, and uh, my mom was dating somebody there for years and uh it was a very complicated situation there and i didn't understand it but i you know he i don't even know how personal is going to get here but uh go ahead man it's we were there for a few years story. and then you know it didn't it didn't um that didn't fly anymore my mom you know that relationship didn't fly so we moved back we moved to arizona and it kind of that was kind of shitty because it kind of ripped me apart from everything i loved at the time you know when you're like in your little seventh grade world and you're about to go to eighth grade and you're feeling all confident you kind of started coming your own and and then uh, all my best friends and my little girlfriend, you know, I was all in love and uh, puppy love, baby. And then they just ripped it apart, just ripped it out like late. That's a wrap on that. So then I, I uh, moved to Arizona, and then that's where I lived there from. Where in Arizona? Where? Yuma, which was kind of like moving to hell. I lived in a great <laughs> little country town, bro. I know where Yuma is. I lived in a great little country town in in, in, in South Carolina. And I still have a lot of friends there. And they, man, when I moved, I, I used to get little letters every single day, like mailbox. Every day I got letters, bro, for like three months. Um, you know, but then that, you know, you, I hated Arizona. I hated it with a passion. I fucking hated it. Why? Why? I hate. It just wasn't my vibe. Like I had South Gaffney, South Carolina was a great vibe. And um, as a little kid, you know, from fifth, sixth, seventh, and almost up until eighth grade, and then uh, I moved in uh, my last few weeks of. Eighth grade, I moved and we went to Arizona and it was just dog shit. And I just hated it. And then, you know, kind of obviously, you know, freshman year, whatever, I had me some new friends and 
obviously, you know, you, you'd be all right. You know, you just a little kid, you know, you go back to school, I went to high school, started playing basketball, just drowning myself in basketball. You know, that was it. That's all I cared about. I remember I played like uh, one time I played like 412 days straight or so I used to count every day. Oh, shit. like all I wanted to do was play. like, I just wanted to be, be, go be, play college basketball, you know? Right, right, right. And then, uh, you know, I, I played and I just, then I got a job at 16. My grandma was very hard on that. Like you get a job, but you know, you get 16, you get a job. Old school. So I did, I got a busboy job and uh, it was awesome. And that's when I started the restaurant game and you know, but I guess that was just part of the hustle, like learning it early, you know, like, yeah. Whether it was the basketball part and then my grandma making me get a job. And then, and then I, you know, my mom tossing me into her car loan. Like, okay, you can have the car then. And I had this job. I was making pretty decent little money for a 16-year-old. I was working five days a week, and, you know, my sophomore year on. So, um, you know, I quit basketball at my senior year. and just, just worked, just hustled the, the waiter gig. And, and then, um, I got, then I got a job at the, at the, at the, high, at, um, at the jail there. And I wasn't even trying to be working in no prison. Like I wasn't trying to do that. But my homegirls that I was buddies with, they were like, "Hey, we're going to we're going to try out for the Yuma County Sheriff's Office." And I was like, "Well, fuck it. I mean, I ain't doing shit. I'll go." And then I ended up like beating everybody but one dude out of like four hundred people. I beat everybody in the in the in the. But I was also, I mean, I trained every day playing basketball. Like all we do is cardio, you know. So like I can beat a bunch of old people running, you know. Like it's not like I'm. It's not like it was a bunch of fucking track stars trying out for the Yuma County Sheriff's Office. <laughs> so I, I, I got, I ended up beating everybody but one dude in the mile and a half, and then I passed the written real. The written was a joke. It was so easy. Yeah. And next thing you know, I'm in the academy for. The, I mean, I had to lie a lot though because of the paperwork because I was, you know, in Yuma, you're right on the border, right? And I was working at this way, this this ta- this restaurant with a bunch of older dudes that were all 19 or 20 going to Mexico to party, right? And a couple, you know, one of them had, a, you know, they had some homies down there that were, that were, you know, they smuggled drugs and they had a whole operation where they, uh, it was a whole front operation. It was a body shop that was a front. And they, I mean, they just, we used to take the, we used to borrow their cars and just go crash them and shit. Cause it was just like a, it was like a front and they didn't care. Holy shit. How would you crash? Like doing what? Doing what? Oh, we would, I would go leave my car at their body shop and I'd grab one of their cars. And I'd go pick up my friends, and we'd go down the alleys, banging trash cans, hitting up against the cement walls. <laughs> Dude, it was the most uncontrollable amount of laughter in my pit of my belly, where I'm just like these big old trash cans, wham, fucking bang, and just riding, like riding cement walls, bro, just like sparks flying, jumping oh. curbs, just fucking donuts. Living the dream. Living, basically, living you're living up. the dream, because that's your car. Yeah. yeah, they didn't give a fuck. I mean... We we didn't give a fuck, dude. And you didn't have a Sometimes rental deposit. So who gives a shit? You didn't have a deposit. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't your car, and you can do that. That's the dream yeah. when you're young. Well, when you're like the junior in high school and getting to do that shit, it was unbelievable. <laughs> uh, I, I and we were having so much fun doing that shit, you know. And then, but I got you know the next thing I know, I'm like letting me use my car to run drugs and shit, you know. And then I'm getting scared, and oh, they they coming back two and three days late on it, and <laughs> I, you know. <laughs> Oh, and I'm scared shit. Let's try to tell my mom. I'm going to have to report the car stolen. And like, and then the day he finally show up with the car and, and I always be driving one of their other shitty cars around, like, it's, you know, trying to tell my mom, oh yeah, no, I'm getting the car fixed right now or whatever, you know, just having to lie, just getting myself into some shit, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. um, letting them use my car to, to run this shitty ass weed. And then I'm getting my cousins involved. I had some, I have some druggy ass cousins oh. and I had them fools that these dudes in Mexico, they needed drivers to drive the weed to LA. Yeah. So my 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 druggy ass cousins, I'd be like, yo, you guys want to make a hundred, you know, you want to make six hundred bucks? 
Like they they would give me three thousand, and I would only give my cousins like six seven hundred dollars. <laughs> you sound like a comedy booker. <laughs> <laughs> you were ready for comedy back in the day. <laughs> Dude, I was buying. Everybody was getting good ass tools, bro. I was at my 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 stepdad at the time's getting big ass you know five hundred dollar toolbox for Christmas and shit. Uh, my mom's getting everybody's getting jewelry, but um, you know that were that was for a while, and then and then I. You know, I just did that for a while. And then I got the job at the sheriff's department, so I had to lie about all that. And I was smoking weed like a motherfucker too. But I lied on the lie detector test, and I lied on everything, and I just passed. You can lie on a lie detector test, real easy, bro. Uh, yes means no, and no means yes. That's it. That's it. Wow. And so, uh, you know, I just I, I remember falling asleep during it, and then uh, I passed it all. You know, I get a job there. I'm working there, and I'm. You know, I stopped. I had to stop smoking weed and shit. And, I, <laughs> yeah, kind of the and I'm working there for like a year and a half, you know, and uh, it's going smooth. And I, and I got hired. I get hired on as a highway patrol. So I'm like, all right, this is going to be my life. Like, I'm going to be a cop, you right. know. Right. So I got a, I got hired on as a DPS highway patrol. And then uh, uh, I'm, right before I leave to the academy, you know, I pass like a year of tests. It takes like a year or so of testing. And, you know, my goal was like, if you pick middle of the state like if you just pick out in the middle of nowhere they'll give you a state funded house at like 10 percent cost nice so i was like let's do it I'll, I'll go pull people over in the middle of nowhere and get me a free house basically build my life yeah but then i got a dui coming because we used to go to mexico and party like crazy yeah like i would dude i would go even when i was at sheriff's department bro i, I was i was a maniac we wouldn't even go to sleep we would go to party until 4 a.m and then i would have my uniform with me because if you got pulled over in mexico you have they think you're a cop so they just let you off. So I was drinking and driving, fucking banging around in Mexico, getting hammered. And I was always the dude that drove. Yeah. I had a nice car and I would always, I'm always like, I'm always like, yo, I'm the motivated one to go to Mexico to party. Yeah. And we'd be down there getting hammered, eating tacos, just driving around San Luis. If you get pulled over, it didn't matter because you had your cop uniform in the back, even though they didn't really put two and two together that it was just, I was just, a, I only worked as a, I was only a prison, I mean, a little, you know, jail guard. Right, right, right. You know, I wasn't like a real, like, I wasn't like a real cop. I was trying to be, but yeah. Uh, then I, you know, and then I got, I ended up getting a DUI coming home. I was doing donuts in the parking lot all <laughs> fucked up. Cop watched me, pulled me over. <laughs> and uh, that was the last, I got fired from that job. And then, um, and then uh, I didn't know what to do in my life. So I moved to Phoenix, bro. I was like, oh, I let everybody down, bro. Cause I was doing so good, you know? Yeah. Like my whole half month, you know, my, my mom's sister and her kids were all fuck offs, right? Right. Like all drug addicts, you know, my parents, my grandparents always having to put the house up for, for bail, shit like that. There's always, you know, some shit going on growing up. And then, uh, so I felt like a loser and I, I just left. I was like, I, I left the town and I moved to Phoenix and I got a job waiting tables. And then, um, you know, I was at Olive Garden kicking it, doing my thing over there. And oh, I, and, yes, sir. And then I, I was like 19, got an Olive Garden job. I was 20. And then um, I got a I got a job at this Phoenix Alarm Company. I was telemarketing, trying to, you know, get get this little. I was trying to be a sales rep because they made like five, ten grand a month. Damn. And I was like, man, I'm gonna get me a sale, but I got to start as a telemarketing part, you know. Yeah. But then I remember I hated that job so bad, bro. And I'm moving across the street. There's the Chicago. There's a Chicago dog spot across. Original old school dude, like down on 44th and Indian School area yeah. in Phoenix. Yeah. And I remember bouncing checks and shit, and the guy would come over and be like, listen, man. <laughs> I love you coming in here all the time. You're a good dude, but you just bounced an eight dollar check again, man. An eight dollar check. Yeah, bro. I was struggling, dude. An eight dollars. And uh, and he let me eat, you know, and he didn't he didn't say shit because he knew I'd worked across the street. Right. 
and I ended up paying him. That's whenever I got paid or whatever. And uh, then I quit that job and I got a job as a, see, I kind of always remember, I always kind of thought things were, there was always like some sort of divine intervention of like, you know, the universe has a path and it's just, you just got to keep on rolling, yes. whatever it is. Yes. Because I got like, I had a roommate, right? And she owed me a bunch of cash and then for bills and shit. And then she dipped out on me, never paid. Of course. So like, a year later, I'm at the gas station. I had this big ass tube. We used to go tubings. So it was like a tractor tube on one of them big ass dumpster dumpster trucks. Right, right, right. So we used to take that monster and go down to the Salt River. But one day I'm gassing it. I'm trying to I'm airing it up to go to the river. And who comes rolling up on me? This girl Kate, that was my roommate that owed me all that money. Right. And she was like, I work at the improv now. They need and I needed a job bad. I'm over here bouncing eight dollar checks. <laughs> and uh <laughs> so the improv <laughs> You're bouncing eight dollar checks. Yeah, you need a job, bro. Yeah. $8. And she, I was 21 and or tw I was 21, 22. And she was like, the improv, I work at the improv and they need they need waiters real bad. And I was like, oh shit, okay, I I need this job. So I rolled down there, I applied. Um, as a, I was bartending at Chevy's Mexican restaurant. And I had oh just my gotten god, fired. they had the best damn salsa of any Mexican restaurant mm -hmm. I've ever had in my life. Chevy's they, restaurant. They they're the back best. there roasting it. Yes, yeah, I, I went there specifically for the chips and salsa because they were so damn good. Yes, sir. Yes. I had a good scam going with them chips and salsa too. What'd you do? What'd so you do? many people came in just for the chips and salsa. <laughs> so when I was bartending, before I got fired for fighting a dude on Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> Uh, I, I was, I used to just ring up one, right? People would just come in, bro, right? For fun. There would be six bucks for the big ass bag of chips and you get a thing of salsa. So I would print off a few receipts in the morning when someone would pay cash. Yeah. And then I would just keep giving them the same one and pocketing the six bucks every time they came in. That happens 15 times a day. And if they paid, if they paid a credit card, you had to ring it up. But, you know, when it was all cash, I was just ringing it up. All my, all my homies were in there drunk as fuck underage. Just drinking, bro. Maybe that's why comedy ain't gonna work out for me, man. I did too much dumb shit when I was little that it, the, the world is just gonna let it me have just enough to make me think it's gonna work out. Let me tell you something, man. If ever anybody underage listening to this, if you ever want to go drink underage at a restaurant, always go to a Mexican restaurant. They never yeah. ID. It's the truth. They never ID. Mexican restaurants, real often, they never ID. That's the truth. For some reason, when I lived in California, I think I lost my license license, right? And they knew I was 21, but they go, hey, man, no ID. I'm sorry. We can't let you drink. I said, like, okay. And I went to Chevy's, and man... I ordered margarita after margarita and not one ID. No, Mexican restaurants don't give a shit. Yo, my girl's son just figured that out, too. If you walk in a Mexican restaurant, you will get served. You can come in on a tricycle. They will serve you a drink. They don't They're like, nah, this kid's 21 and a half. Easy. <laughs> nice tricycle, uh, kid. What kind of drink you want? Yeah. <laughs> True. Yeah, and I used to let all the homies in, man. I was serving them up. And, um... And then I got fired. I got in a fight that day. What happened? What if, I want to hear about that. I, 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 I had broken up with a girl, and then her, uh, the other, this other old lady went, worked there, this old crackhead, and her husband <laughs> saw me fucking around with somebody else out back, ratted me out. Even We already broken up, though. Yeah. Anyways, he comes in. He, do, he didn't like my attitude when he called in for chips and salsa. I let him have it. <laughs> he so didn't like we, your attitude when he called in for chips and salsa. Yeah, it was all cues and crack. I, I, didn't, I didn't, I never understood why this guy thought he could fight me. But, anyways, he comes. Yeah, I go, well, if you don't like my attitude, come do something, bitch. And then he comes barreling in a restaurant. And I go, nah, go outside, go to the side. It was packed on Super Bowl Sunday. And I had all my underage friends in there drinking. So we all go out, pile to the side of the restaurant, bro. And I beat the shit out of this kid. Like he goes to kick me, and I grab his foot, bro. And I'm pulling him. And I'm holding his foot, like, you guys ready? All my friends are cheering, bro. We're all tanked up. Everybody's hammered. 
and I kick his other foot out from underneath him, just start beating the shit out of this kid, right? In front of everybody. <laughs> Anyways, I go back, finish off the shift, bro. And then uh and they suspended me for a week and then they fired my ass. And that's when I ran into Kate at the gas station and shit. And I got a job at the improv. And then uh I started food running at the improv in Tempe in 2000, March of 2001. And then that's how I started doing stand-up. Dude, I wonder if our if our paths crossed because I think I worked there in 2001. I worked there. I opened up for George Lopez. Uh, Lopez. I bet you it, really. Yeah, when 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 he used to come up to uh, that uh, 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 that Samuel Samuel L. Jackson speech from uh, Pulp Fiction. That's when I opened up for him mm-hmm. there. And it was. And I'm that gonna was, be honest. I was probably there. Yeah, and that was before he got really really big, big, big. And so I opened up for him there, and I opened up for another act. But I remember, yeah. So I bet our paths crossed and didn't even know it. Yeah, because. When he would come into town, I remember I got in a fight with a dude at the showroom, in the showroom, because he comes out. George Lopez, bro, the, the owner of the improv back then, Dan Murray, he'd get in a fight with the beer distributor. Yeah. And then he would just be like, all right, get all the Bud Light out of my restaurant. So when George Lopez came, that's the last time, that's the last thing you want to do is get rid of all the Bud Light when the George Lopez Mexicans come in. Because yeah. the George Lopez Mexicans are way more gangster. Yeah. Like the Gabriel Iglesias Mexicans, oh, right? Yeah. The Gabriel Iglesias Mexicans are fun. They're enjoying it. They're nice. The George Lopez <laughs> ones are aggressive as yeah. shit, right? Yes, they are. So yes, this guy are. comes out and he's fucking mad. There's no Bud Light, and uh, and and he fucking throws the manager in a chokehold, <laughs> and he over it. He's arguing. So I come up to throw, throw the dude in a full Nelson and shit. We throw him out the restaurant, kind of beat him up a little bit out in the patio, and uh, you know, get some <laughs> kicks in and shit, and uh, and and then that was. So then George Lopez goes up. That I don't was, was that the weekend that he got kicked out because he was on his hands and knees. No, 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 no. Dan blowing dicks, the owner. No, 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 no. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. George Lopez. He went down. He got. I remember he got eighty six after that. One of the weekends I one of the last weekends I had seen him. <clears throat> he got booted because he was laying into the owner, and uh, I guess something happened between him and the owner, Dan. Yeah. And uh, and, and George Lopez went up there and just bagged on him ugly and it was awesome we all loved it like yeah. we know we like the owner yeah nobody liked dan yeah and uh <laughs> anyways that that yeah that was a wild club but that's when i started stand up there was a few other dudes doing open mics and shit there yeah and i just started open micing with them oh. and that was and that's how i got into it in 2001 okay so when you get it do you do you, do you had any aspirations at all or you just like fuck i think i'm funny let me try it i mean do you have any like hey i'm, I'm gonna be this i mean or just or was just something to do well, when I first worked at Chevy's, I mean, at the end there, um, a girl I worked at, I went to high school with, she also worked there. And her other job on Mill Avenue in Tempe, there was a place called Belo's, which is still there. It's just a different name now. I forgot it's like a piano bar now. But they, she said, you know, you're so funny. You should do open mic at my other job. They have a contest. And I was like, I'll do it. Yeah. But I was like, I, I, this was like in 2000. And I was like, uh, but I had no, I mean, I never thought about doing it. I mean, I used to love. Like uh, my mid-teens, you know, when that was when Def Jam was popping off. And right. I used to like fight to stay up to record it. Oh, and Martin yes. was my shit. Like I couldn't get enough of Martin, right? Yes. Like, well, he's the best host work. in history. The best host in history. Yeah. That crowd work would just, would just, I just looked at it like it was from space, bro. Yeah. And I just couldn't. And I used to record it on VHS and I'd rewatch it over and over and over. You know, Chris Tucker, Bernie Mac, yes. everybody, Eddie yes. Griffin. Yes. Talent, you know, talent, talent with, with the, hitting them with comedy. the old, uh, it's just comedy. It's just comedy. I remember when I first got to work with him, I was out of nowhere and I was, I was opening it or no. 
it was his club in Rochester. And I was like, it's fucking talent, you know? Yeah. But I didn't know because it would have been, you know, it had been 15 years or whatever. But anyways, um, I was just, I was mad. I was madly in love with comedy and I didn't know it. You know, I just love Def right. Jam so much and Martin and comedy and yeah. crowd work and, him, and the hosting aspect. Yeah. And, and just clowning on people in the crowd. So then I just, and I was always funny or whatever. I always, you know, it was Mr. Funny Man talking shit. And then um, I just said I'd do it. So I did stand up one time and I, you know, whatever. It was just like an open mic, a little two minutes. I ended up knocking over half the fucking drums, drum set, you know. Yeah. I was doing a bit about, about my mom slapping us in the back seat. And I, turned, I slapped back and knocked over like three of the cymbals and shit. <laughs> And then, uh, and I didn't win, obviously, you know, but all my friends came and shit. Yeah. And that, that you know, like a year later is when I got fired and I got that job at the improv. So, okay. And then I just, these guys were doing it and I was watching it every day and I was like, I could fucking do it. I could, I could do it. You know, and they were, yeah. they were amping me up too. And so I started slowly doing open mics, you know, over for the next year and a half or whatever. Yeah. And that's, that's just kind of, that's just how basically how I ended up in stand up. I had to get fired from a few gigs and shit. And that's, that's path nice though, came bro. along. Yeah. Okay. So, so working at, at, at one of the best clubs in the country, doing, uh, uh, you know, working there, that had to help your act in the beginning. I mean, had to, to watch the best, because you're not watching a lot of dudes, you know, go up there and do dig jokes or whatever. It's the improv. So you're watching the best of the no. best. Did that really, you think that helped? Yeah, it definitely did because. I watched like I watched probably there's ten guys now that don't even on the planet no more that I got to watch regularly. Mitch Hedberg, oh uh, um, Robert Schimmel. Yes. You know this is when like this is when um, uh, Jeff Dunham was like a paper act. Like he would be, maybe sell out maybe one night, yeah, if that. Not even actually he wouldn't even do that. Wow. Uh, wow. I mean I got to see Richard Jenny. I got to see Ralphie May. I got to see so many legends that were on that stage at, at the time. Tempe Joe Rogan was selling out then hard. Yeah, he was uh, he was crushing. People have no idea how long Joe Rogan has been in the game. selling thousands of tickets. Yeah, yeah, not just in the game, but selling out weekends. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's when uh, that's when David Tell had his show Insomniac. Oh my God, the best! And ever. They filmed it. They came through there. Yeah, Seinfeld would do one nighters. I mean, it was just an unbelievable point of stand up. Uh, um, and I could. And that's when Daniel Tosh. I became buddies with Daniel Tosh real early because he was a middle act, but he was a fucking killer. He's still a kill that no one mentioned in the first breath when he talk about the greats now. And no. I think because he stays underneath the radar, he's never on podcast. He never is. But his act, if you watch his act, that dude is just as good as anybody out there as far as not giving a fuck. <clears throat> no, nah, he, he had some bits that I was so good. That was so good. He had this bit about uh, being in Santa Monica and... Uh, and then he would fill up his cargo pockets with change and he'd strap a Viper car alarm on his chest. And then he'd wait for the first dude to ask him for any spare change and hit the alarm off. And he'd go, and he'd start throwing the quarters out of his fucking pockets, out of his, out of his cargo pockets. You hit the jackpot, motherfucker, right? <laughs> and he had this bit, and it killed me so much. We used to go, everybody, none of the other staff liked him. They all thought he was kind of like cocky and shit, yeah. but I got along with him. Yeah. We'll go play pool over at Six Shooters across the street. Yes. I, I, I just, played there. Yeah, I went there. Yeah, yes. That's where everybody went. Yes. That's the only place you could go afterwards because yeah. the club... You know, that's when Joe Diaz came. That's how I met Gabriel Iglesias' people. Uh, that's how I ended up. Basically, that connection through there was how I ended up working for Fluffy like 10 years later. But, um, you know, it was just an amazing, amazing place for stand-up at the time. And I swore I was ready. I wasn't ready. I mean, I was, of course, we all think you know, that. like every once in a while, if an opener or something shit wouldn't happen, and they'd throw you up for two minutes yeah. to open the show. Yeah. You know, then I, I opened up the show a couple different times in my, in my actual uniform, and then I go back and had... <laughs> 
oh, see, we got, oh, we got frozen. To hooks. get the fucking chicken strips and bring them out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Are, you yeah, yeah. So, Are you serious? Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, man. It was, uh, that place was legendary. Joe Diaz was always there. Gene Pompa. That's how I met Uncle Joey Dada, man. He, uh, you know, it was a, it was just a, an amazing, amazing place to start stand up and just to watch absolute legends do work. Okay. So since you never hold back, Brian Regan, you don't give a shit. Tell me, tell me who, who were the dicks back in the day? I mean, cause you don't hold back. So tell me who was like the people you go, yeah. really? You know what? I can't really remember anybody being a dick. Really? Yeah. Jim Brewer was the fucking best. Yeah. I mean, he'd be doing go boy in a part in the lobby with us. Uh, you know, everybody was Harlan Williams was the man. Oh, he's a great dude. I love Harlan. Oh, yeah. dude, everybody. You know what? I had so I was so like in the, the pop. I was in my, you know, I was 20. I was in my early 20s, like pop cultural movie wise. All these dudes were in there and they were just all awesome. Like I, I never really remember anybody being a dick. OK, you know, Tosh would tip me. He'd give me 10 bucks, you know, on, on a Friday night, which is a lot from a middle act. Right. Right. Yes, it is. Yes. Yeah. 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 You know, um. So I never really, you know, John Panette, that motherfucker would buy 10 people a cab to get home. He'd buy everybody shots at six shooters. He'll buy everybody food. And then he'll stand by the door and make sure no one drove and sit there and buy him cabs. Oh, my God. So, like, I was lucky in the manner of, uh, uh, you know, of just people being cool. Joe Rogan would sit around telling us about, you know, uh, uh, fucking heart. What's that show? He uh, Fear Factor Stories. Yeah. Him telling us how bad the Bulls ball stunk on the episode. So, I mean, I never really, no one was ever really an asshole. Like, they were all really awesome people. You know, some guys didn't talk. Some guys, like, a lot of the headliners, they didn't talk to you or nothing. They, you know, not like Fluffy never hung out and just talked to us like we were his buddies. Yeah. He was, you know, he was already selling out, you know, every single damn show possible. And that's, that room holds four hundo. So, you know, we worked our nuts off at that place. How and did, everybody was always nice. How did that work? How long were you in comedy before you became one of his opening acts for, for Gabriel Iglesias? To and 10 years. That, how, 10 years you were in comedy? Yeah. And, and how, was it yeah. how was it going before that? Before you, before you got to open up, how was it going before that? Was it just, well, I was, in, I was in Phoenix doing my thing, you know, right. getting a little, you know, I was, I'd get like a weekend. I was doing the comedy class there just to get the stage time at the improv. Right. And, um, and then, I, you know, I'd get a little weekend here and there as an MC, like at the Laugh Factory in Albuquerque and shit, you know. Not the Laugh Factory, the La Laughs, Laughs Comedy Club in Albuquerque. Okay, yeah. Oh, I remember that. Russ, Russ Rivas. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Great club. That was an amazing time. I, used, I couldn't get enough of that weekend. Yeah, that was fun. Um, but when, I, when Gabriel used to come, uh, his buddy, his middle, well, his opener was Felipe Esparza. Yes, yes. And then his merch, his merch guy... His merch manager, who's still one of my best friends in his days, Ivan is Ivan. So I would be cool. I became cool as fuck with. I'd bring. I'd get Ivan. I'd get him weed and shit. Right. Right. Him and Felipe. Yeah. <laughs> and then that's how we became buddies. Weed brings and, people um, together. Weed brings people together. <laughs> yeah. So when I moved to LA in 05, um, every once in a while I'd catch Felipe out, you know, and then we'd start hanging out, and, and then I started hanging out with Ivan too, you know, like. But I'd go to Silver Lake. I never hung out. I never hung out fluffy. And at this point, uh, Felipe was on his own. He wasn't working with Gabriel no more. Yeah. So I was kind of like his driver. I just drove him around. We hung out, you know, he'd get me sets, but I'd get us there, you know? Right. Right. I had a good car and, uh, I had a truck at the time. So I had good transportation to get us to gigs. So he'd get me guest sets and then I'd get us there. And then in the meantime, in the, you know, during the day, I'd also hang out with Ivan and Ivan was still Gabriel's merch guy. Mm -hmm. 
so then then you know that happened for a few years and then um in like 08 uh ivan you know he's hey you should come up to the improv in, you know in ontario and hang out with us and i was like okay you know fluffy was headlining and then you know ivan brought me you know you got the okay and he invited me out because it's very mafia ish you know yeah to yeah. hang out and be in that squad it was very mafia ish right and uh you know i'd go i'd go there and hang out and then and, you know, Gabriel would be really nice. He asked me some questions, be cool, you know, start, you know, and I'd say, yeah, you know, I used to be at the improv, uh, you know, we'd have small talk. I'd go help. I'd, then I'd go out and help Ivan with the merch, you know, like whatever. It was like a, it was like a nightclub at the merch table. Yeah. Like it was like self-serving drinks. And I was really good at it because I bartended for so long. Right. So we were just slinging it. Right. right. And, um, and then I'd help him. And I guess Ivan might've told him that, you know, that we did this or whatever. And I'd help and I'd be cool. And, you know, give me a shirt. And he'd be, hey, come back to Irvine. I'll give you some guest sets. I remember he gave me guest sets in Irvine and I crushed. I had myself a fucking weekend of some sets. Yeah. And then that was it. And then um, at late 08, Fluffy goes, uh, after Irvine, he goes, hey, you want to go to Houston? Somebody else couldn't go. And he goes, you want to go to Houston? I'll give you 500 bucks and I'll pay for your flight. And you just help with merch and you could do guest sets. And I was like, fuck yeah, dude, I'm going to Houston. So I go to Houston with him. Yeah, and I still have this monster tattoo on my arm of this fucking from that weekend because we were there getting hammered and uh, it's these these Mexican dudes roll up with a twelve pack of Bud Lights and goes after when during the meet and greet, and uh, and he goes and he goes, hey, who want who wants tasks? We got a shop, dude. We're doing it, Gabe. Anybody who wants them. So the dude goes, uh, okay. And Fluffy goes, hey, who wants to get tattoos? And me and Ivan were like, fuck it. So we went, bro, and I got this big ass Aztec chick with a weed headdress on my arm. <laughs> It was like a six-hour tattoo. We sat there all night, got shit can. And I didn't have a dollar to my name, bro. I didn't have a dollar. And then I felt so bad, but I don't, I don't know if these dudes got tipped or not, but they got the story. So fuck it. Fluffy was there all night drinking tequila with him. Oh, my God. And Fluffy nice. didn't, yeah, and then after that, um, not, I, we didn't do – I didn't work with him. And then he said, what did he do? And then out of nowhere, one day he goes, hey, you want to go to Hawaii? And I'm like, fuck yeah. Oh. And – he took so Gabriel every year he, for Thanksgiving back in the day, that was like his Thanksgiving was like he brought everybody on the tour and then their families would come and, you know, they would do Maui and Honolulu. But then everybody would go and have, we'd go to the luau and that was our Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. And it was fucking phenomenal, man. Uh, it was just an unbelievable time. Luau, digging up a pig, dancing, drinking, fucking doing the Blysdale Center in Honolulu for 5,000 grabbing a little jet over to Maui, doing the, Ma the Maui Performing Arts Center. Oh. I mean, it was just an unbelievable trip. And then after that, he said, hey, do you want to go on tour with me? Uh, he asked me to go on tour right when he started doing theaters. And that was in um, 2000, that was the beginning of January 2010. Okay. And then I just, that's when I put all, everything I had in a storage unit. And uh, I just went on tour with Fluffy. And I was on tour with him for almost five years. Oh, my God, dude. I didn't even have an apartment or nothing because we were never home. We would leave January 1st, and we would come back. Like, if we went home for, like, a few days, yeah. I would just sleep on Ivan's couch. And I just, I mean, he, you know, I got didn't get paid that much, but I didn't have to because I didn't have to pay for nothing. Oh, like, I didn't have, you never buy food. You never pay for travel. Yeah. Like, everything you drink is on the, is on the bus or for free backstage. It was all theaters. Yeah. And all I did was help with merch. I helped the first year. I helped with merch until I got on comedy. And then I auditioned for Comedy Central on his show, and I got on. And he promoted me past up past merch, and he hired a new merch guy. And then I just got to be a comic. 
Nice. And then that was fucking gnarly. And then I, that's when it was, you know, it was just an amazing time. It was, uh, it was an amazing, carefree, awesome time. And when did you decide in which, I mean, you could have easily stayed there and comfortable. And this is what I respect about you, man, is that you broke out on your own and you came to Indy. Like, how did that come about where you broke out and you came to Indy? Well, um, at the end of 2014, you know, me and Fluffy were talking. He goes, listen, man, you, you got a lot of potential and you're not going to grow in this tour anymore. He goes, you're not going to grow doing five and ten minutes opening for me. Right. He goes, I'm going to give you some money and I'm going to help you whatever you need. But you need to go out on your own and do your own thing. He goes, I got a lot. Of, I got a lot. I got, you got so much potential and I, I got a lot, um, a lot of faith in you. But I can keep bringing you, but it ain't going to help you. Yeah. So he gave me seven thousand bucks. And uh, he got me some weeks, you know, he helped me get to his manager, got me some weeks, you know, middling and shit. Yeah. I already had two TV credits because of him. Right. <clears throat> two Comedy Central credits. I was on his show twice. I was on season one and three of Stand Up Revolution. He goes, you got you. He goes, listen, you got TV credits. Go try and do go make a move. So I was like, fuck it. Let's go. You know, but he, you know, I think technically he probably would have let me kept on rolling, but. You know, he pushed me out. He's like, listen, you got to go do something, man. That's beautiful, and I was man. like, all right. That's so I beautiful. said, yeah, that's what I did. But but it went to a dead stop, basically. Like, I, I came to a dead stop. I mean, I, I was moving and living in Long Beach, and I didn't have shit going on. And I and I had my – I had some. I had a, a Tuesday night show that was off the hook. Yeah. To this day, it's still off the hook. It's this place called Harvell's in Long Beach. Okay. It's, a, it's an amazing room. Yeah, yeah. Um. And I, I started that room and it was going strong and I used to host and then the owner was real cool. So like I would even, I couldn't get no sets. I mean, I'll do the laugh factory here and there, but I didn't, I couldn't really afford to keep going up to LA to get these little small sets, you know, like at the, to hang out at the comedy store or whatever. And I always, I always had this thing in me where I hated waiting to like maybe become a regular someday. Yeah. And, um, and I, um, so I, I didn't, I never went to, I never went up there. I got, sometimes I go up there, you know, and I get on the, you know, I get some spots on the belly room and things like that. Or Shantae Williams would get me a spot in the main room on her show. You know, I get some spots on, you know, Latino night, the laugh factory, things like that. But I was never a regular anywhere. And I just, and I just didn't have the patience to sit around and keep waiting, you right. know? Yeah. 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 So I just did my own. And then I talked to the owner of the bar and I go, Hey, can I just come in in between bands on the weekend? And he was like, yeah. Sure. Like you want to just go up there and just do like, they don't, they don't sit down though. And I'm like, I don't care. Yeah. So I would go like on Friday, Saturday, they'd have bands at Harvell's. And then in between bands, I just get up on this box and just fucking start talking shit and just do my set. Yeah. So I was getting, I was sharp. Like for, I was like, my, my life was in chaos. Yeah. Like I didn't have shit going on, but I had credits and my, my set was sharp. There you go. That's Cause I was there. working hard on that Tuesday night show. Yeah. I'd get an hour in every night, you know, every, cause I'd open up with 15, and then I'd do five, six minutes in between people, and then I'd close it out with 20. Nice. You had your reps I, in, man. Yeah, that's the way to do it. Because if they're, if they're your crowd, I would get the crowd there. It was my crowd. Oh, it's beautiful. So they, they kind of allowed me to get it. You know, I, I'd, I'd rattle off. Like, I wasn't the guy that did, like, 10 or 20 or 30 in between comics. I'd do my 15 or 20 up front, and then I'd, you know, maybe do five in between, like, one guy. But then I would rattle through, right through the comics, get everybody on, get their sets, you know, so they all felt good. Yeah nice fresh crowd and then i would just do another 20 at the end so i always got like an hour on tuesdays in oh, that's and beautiful. then yeah and then um and then i would do my band you know in between bands on the weekends and then i would just uh which would really make you sharp because motherfuckers were standing around like they don't want to hear they don't even they don't expect it you know yeah. yes 
Yeah, but then I'd just be drinking for free too. So that was always motivation. <laughs> and then, um, you know, and but then um, I, I was I was getting road work here and there, and I always had been working at Morty's. I, I became, you know, Warren B. Hall was the first dude I ever worked with on the road. Yeah. So he introduced me when I was on fl- tour with Fluffy. He, when I was in Indy, he I after the show was over, I dipped and went over to Morty's and hung out with him. And that's when he introduced me to the Morty's people, you know, Todd and and and, and Bowers. Yeah. And then uh, Hofstetter was booking then. So then I started getting weekends as a middle act there and I started doing well. But then I saw, you know, that's how I became buddies with them at Morty's. And then we always had a great time. Like that was the best road weekend possible as a feature act was leaving L.A. to go to Indy in the summer. Dude, that's we we worked there. I think it was, it was during that time we worked together. I remember. you. Yeah, I, I opened like, for you a couple of different times. I, like, I middle for you. Is this motherfucker here? And I remember that. Man, I, did, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Gabe come in? One night, or something, or, or maybe we maybe we. Text. It was Martin. Okay, yeah, because I remember like he uh, mentioned him and 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 they helped me help me with a tweet or something like, "Hey, follow BT" or something like that, which is really cool. But I remember that yeah. man. I remember working with you, and we had a fucking ball. I remember yeah, that man. Dude. That was a good because the uh, Harlem Globetrotters came out uh, one night. At least a couple of players came out. We we tore that motherfucker down, man. I remember. Yeah, that. it was awesome, and I remember I was having I was that was like my sharpest. I was at, and uh, and it didn't matter. You were still up there. It didn't matter what I did. You were up there crushing, and we just had a great weekend. And I think I, I meddled for you at least two different times. Yeah. And then um, before they started headlining me, and but we always it was always such a great vibe, and, and people were always so awesome there. I mean, no, that club. I mean, Morty's would pay me to not sleep at the hotel. Like uh, I'll go sleep in Bowers' basement for another two hundred dollars. Yeah. How crazy? Like I get seven hundred bucks for the weekend as a fucking middle. Six fifty is a middle. Yeah. And I and 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 it's just a party the whole time and hang out, um, and then so when I was like just struggling along in L.A., I had nothing going on. I was on my buddy's couch. Yes, I was. I, I had an apartment and I was moving out. I put my notice in. I was moving in with these other kids, and then my dog. The dude must have been fucking with my dog because my dog ate his glasses one day. My little puppy, <laughs> so he got all pissed off, and then he did, didn't want to move in with me. And um, after the motherfucker slept on my couch for four months, bitch. Yeah, but uh my little one bedroom. So then I was like stuck. So I had to go move on my buddy's couch. Right. So for like six months, I'm on my buddy's couch and I got nothing going on, bro. Yeah. Nothing. Oh. I got my, I got my show, you know, I got my little Tuesday night at Harvell's. I'm doing the weekends. And then that's when, that's when Bowers called and said they were starting up that motor pugs thing, which is like a sketch group for stand up comedy right. with, with, for comedians. And I was like, well, I ain't got nothing going on, man. Fuck it. I'll come out to Indy. So I just packed up the Prius with me and my dog and my, my podcast gear, bro, and we took off, and then, um, and then we was in Indy, and that was in October of 2015. Wow, wow! And it just went, and things just went nice there, man. Things was nice, just good positive energy there. You know what's? I mean, that our stories are kind of parallel, same way. Nothing was going on. I had a buddy here. I said, "Hey, man, whatever." And it's like a, but was it was it for you? Was it a, a depression? Like, okay, I'm leaving L.A. Or was it like? Okay, man, I'm leaving LA. I'm, I'm getting a brand new start because sometimes. I mean, but what were your what were your goals anyway in comedy at that time? Because some people get in comedy, and they don't they don't have a they don't have a goal like okay, I'm going to uh, got a week book here, week book there. And then I, all of a sudden that week turns in uh, now it's two years down the line. Then it's three years. Now yeah. all of a sudden you're ten years in, going shit. What's what's my plan? You know, I mean, is that mean? You know what yeah. I mean? You know what I mean? Yeah, my my old plan always was just to headline clubs. That's it. I just wanted to headline clubs. Yeah. So. I'm, you know, I had nothing going on in LA, like absolutely nothing. Right. And I had just bought this car off my landlord. I had this Prius and he let me make payments. 
and uh, I bought it for forty eight hundred. Yeah. And um, I was like, well, fuck it, I got this car finally because I didn't have a car for the longest time. All right. And I I work uh, this slumlord. I got lucky, bro. This slumlord that was owned my apartments. This motherfucker comes. He comes to my door and he goes uh, after I moved in. And uh, this is why I ended up having that car and it gave me, it made it all work out because, you know, he had these slum ass apartments. And uh, the next day after I move in or whatever, like a week later, I, that's when my second time on Comedy Central was airing. Mm-hmm. And luckily my set made the commercials. So I was rolling with Comedy Central commercials. Right. And uh, this motherfucker comes up to my door with a cigar knocking on the door. He goes, I got a goddamn famous comedian in my house. He goes, you tell me how I'm sitting at home with my lady last night. He's sitting there with a cigar, you know, telling me the story when he knocks on my door. He goes, and who do I see on my goddamn TV three times? You. Apartment number one's over there. Old old apartment number one's on TV three times last night. And so that's how I became buddies with the slumlord. Yeah. And then uh, that's why I'd be like, hey, man, hey, Steve. I think that's, what was his name? Steve, John? I don't know. Uh, I'd be like, hey, man, I'll buy that Prius off you. You don't give a shit, man. You banging that thing in the walls. And he's like, I'll give it to you for six thousand. I'm like, fuck off, man. I'll give you four thousand. And we ended up selling on forty eight hundred. And so I bought that Prius and I banged around that thing forever, dude. And then when I moved to India in it and then I that's when they put the when the agreement was that they were going to get me on with the uh, Yoders. OK, yeah, yeah, yeah. I could book, do all their clubs. He's like, listen, you move here. Yeah, we'll work on our group. You know, we, we'll give you sets at our club. And then we'll get you in with the Yoders and then you, know, you can make money and then we'll just try to be better comedians. And I was like, okay. So I was like all about it when they were like, we'll give you. And I was so disconnected. I wasn't like a comedy store guy. So yeah, I didn't really, you know, I was my, I, I missed my buddies. I left, but right. you know, um, overall I was like, fuck man, if I can start working the road, that's all I wanted to do was just get me club an agency that'll get me clubs all the time, two yeah. and three times a month. Yeah. I'll go do that. I'll give a fuck right now. I'll go. Yeah. So that's what I did. And, um, and then it, and it, and it ended up working out and I just kept on doing the Yoda clubs, doing them, doing them until, until, until we became buddies with Pat. Oh, the Pat Mac. Oh my dude. That's what I'm talking about. It's like you banged around and banged around and that divine intervention. And then you met Pat McAfee. And then how did that go? <clears throat> you know what? We were doing our Tuesday night motor pugs night. Yeah. And he happened to be looking for openers, which I didn't know. And I didn't know anything about him. And I didn't know him as a football player either because I had pretty much given up on football. Yeah. Like, I don't, I mean, I knew fantasy. I knew the fantasy guys, like, you know, the guys that you pick up on your fantasy team. Right. But I was doing stand-up every weekend. So, and I was always be driving on Sunday. So I could never watch football. So I was just out of touch. Yeah. And then um, he came in that one night and I was just on fire, bro. And I, there was only 12 people in the crowd. And um, um, are you leaving? That's your woman. And, um, that's your girl. Yeah. Tell her I said yes, hi. Sir. BT said- says hello. Hi. <laughs> and um, she don't give a shit. So that was it. And I um, uh, and I happened to just knock it out the park that night. And I had this bit. I used to have this bit. I had to retire because somebody because it kind of it was similar to a Bill Burr bit, which I had never heard. And I found you know, so I ended up retiring it. But he let me know the next morning that he loved my energy. Then he he. After the show, I introduced myself. He introduced himself. Hey, I'm Pat. You know, this is so and so. This is my brother Jason. You know, we love what you did. That was a great set. There's only 12 people in the crowd, and him and his that's brother. What it, that's what it's about. People, and, and it's it's that old try and true. You never know who's in the crowd. You know what I mean? Like you said, 12 people. And, and back in the day, I used to be like, ah, who gives a shit? You know, but it does matter. You just never know who's in the crowd. That's what's beautiful. 12 people, you could have mailed it in, but you didn't. 
Well, because you know, after working with Fluffy for so long and yeah. doing nothing but theaters, and you can't really do new material and stuff. Yeah. I mean, you could if you got some big ass nuts on you, but right. I didn't have time to be trying to bomb in front of five thousand, you right. know, at the, or at the fucking Blysdale Center. Right. So, um, once I got loose out, once I got left left that that world and became back to normal, where I was doing rooms with ten and twenty and thirty people. I was like a, I was like an animal. I was eating it up. I was like, oh, I'll go up last. Yeah. Because everybody know I'll, I'll go up right now. I twelve people. Let me have that. Yes. Yes. And I just because you could do whatever you want. And you could just be whatever you want. Like you don't have no pressure. And um, and so I was just on one that night. And then the next day he messaged me, let me know that his girl had made him the best sandwich of his life because of my joke. And that he loved my energy so much and he was hoping that I could open for him. And he offered me $7,000 for 20 minutes set to open for him in Fort Wayne. And I almost shit my pants. Oh, my God, dude. That dude is a great dude. I've never met him. I met everybody around him. His dad. And I think I met it. Yeah, his dad, his brother. And I, I, I went and watched him do stand-up. I've never met him, though. But I just love, because I know the stories from you told me. And I just love him, his energy. I listen. I can't wait to get through with my show. I can listen to his show, because I love everything he does. I would love to meet the dude, but I love what he did for you. And I mean it from the bottom of my heart. I love what he did for you, and it trickled down, because you got on his podcast, and you had to go, I think, to New York for something. And they hit me up and said, hey, you want to take, you know, take Sean's place in the studio that day? And I had the most fun. I got more followers from that little thing I did and uh, because of you. So it's a trickle-down effect, man. And I, I thank you, and I thank mm -hmm. him for that. Yeah, no, that was, uh, that was awesome. Yeah, you know, he wasn't even doing podcasts when, I, when we started. We, we were just hanging out, bro. We'd go hang out, you know, kick it, smoke. He'd fucking just, just – we were just homies. He bought me a Harley. We'd just riding around and shit, dude. And then that. we was like, we should do a podcast. You know, we started getting, dude, let's do a podcast, you know? So when me and Todd would go set up all our gear and we'd record. Um, and then, you know, and then we would go to high schools. Uh, they'd organize and find a high school for us to record at. So Pat, myself, Bowers, and Todd would go. And uh, we would go just record at a high school and just, just do, just have fun, man. Just talking shit and enjoying life. And, um, you know, we'd go to his backyard and catch punts while he would warm up during the summer. And, and it was just a great, great, very innocent time. And, uh, that, you know, then he started doing, a, we started doing a podcast all the time, but then I was on the road and that kind of pissed him off right. because I was consistent enough, you know, yeah, I needed to make money. I, I, I had no choice. I had to be on the, get my, you know, get the shows. Right. And then it just kind of grew from there. You know, it just went from there. And then that's when he got the whole Barstool thing. And that's when he brought us along. Real quick. And so I remember you, and I don't know if you could talk about that, but you're open with everything. I don't think you give a shit. But I, you know, I remember you went to, you got the, the, the gig from Barstool, but you went to Sirius. You had your own show on Sirius, correct? Yeah. Well, I was with Pat first for a year on his right. Sirius show. Okay. And then, then when he quit, he quit Barstool. Yeah. And then Barstool offered me, and he said, listen, he, he had a meeting with everybody at the office. And he goes, listen, this is like a year and a half in at working in Indy at the Heartland office. And he said, some of you guys are going to stay here. Some of you guys are going to have to go to New York. And some of you guys, I don't know what you're going to do. He goes, but, uh, you know, and then he, me and him at a meeting, he's like, listen, you, your show gets a lot of sponsorship. Um, so you're going to go ahead and, and um, you know, you have to go to New York. And so they offered me like double what I was making there to move to New York. Wow. And he already knew. He's like, listen, I, I, I always wanted you to be able to do your own thing and, you know, grow. And so I was like, and, and there was no, you know, I had to go. So I went and when I went to New York, I told them I wanted my own, uh, my own show on Sirius because they were about to have a Sirius channel. I go, I'd love to have my own show. 
So they let me have it. And then when they, they launched it, I got my own show. And I had my own show on Sirius for about a year and a half while I was in New York doing my thing. And it was a great time in my life. And then, then that, but then they, the shit that all, you know. Um, can you talk about that? Can you talk about what happened? Can you talk about what happened uh, on the air? I mean, I know you don't hold back, yeah, but sometimes don't. you can't because of, you know, legalities. But I know. No, nah, there's no real, not really legally to worry about it. I just, um, I, um, when, once while I was doing the show for, uh, my, my, you know what really happened? I just picked, I just picked the wrong people to be on the show. As far as that how? That was my problem. Like, like uh, Jordan was awesome. YP and Vibbert, though, they just, they didn't, I mean, I didn't pick Vibbert out the gate. I picked YP, which Dave always, you know, El Prez was always like, why are you taking that guy on your show? And I'm like, it's a nice guy, you know? Like, I don't know. Like, nobody else was really cool as shit to me in the building like he was. And, um, I, and it was the vibe was so much different than Heartland. Like Heartland was awesome and friendly and right. family and cool and group oriented. And in New York at the time when I got there, everybody kind of had their own thing going on and I didn't know anybody and no one was really too friendly. Yeah. Like there was no one really, you know, so I, I just didn't really click and I didn't fit in Yeah, you didn't feel and, um, over there. Yeah. And so, but YP was cool with me all the time. So I was like, fuck it. You want to be on my radio show? Right. So I brought him on. Jordan was always cool. She came from uh, Indy with me. Yeah. And she, you know, she was always a good element on the show. And then I added Vibbert, and you know, he didn't do shit except for pout, kind of. And uh, I was never, you know, he was always in some some kind of mood. So I didn't know what to do. I um, I, I, I was too mean to like cut people off the show, and so the show just kind of just didn't do well by the end. It wasn't doing. I was trying, man. I was getting guests. I was trying my best. And, uh, you know, YP don't know how to fucking do radio. The guy just talks and talks and talks and talks. And he don't know how to, like, say something and then let someone else get in. Or uh, he don't know how to make a point or get to it. The motherfucker just talks in circles <laughs> to hear himself. And I only had an hour show. So, it, you know, I, when I started doing the podcast with Todd, I had to, like, relearn how to, like, not have to fight for uh, a couple of minutes of talking, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, so, but, you know, so my, I, I, I lost the show a couple, a few months before. They even um, before the now it's all gone. Like they don't Barcelona even have a serious no more. They they didn't re up their contract. But you know I don't know. It was a hell. I mean it was a great time. Like I had an amazing time in New York and I had an amazing apartment. I lived right in Midtown, right down, right two blocks from the office. And my you know twenty dollars chef was getting thousand you know millions of views a month and everything was nice for a while. You know, and then I got in an argument with this kid, and that, that fucked me over, man. And I, yeah, what happened with that? Real quick, if you can get into that, what happened with it? Because that was the whole uh, thing. I think I came in. I think it was what did a year ago that you kind of alluded to, it, and we never got into it. But you got into an argument, and it's like the guy backstabbed you or something. And yeah, he's trying to shortcut the whole operation just by posting his own cooking show. So I was like, I asked about it. You know, I go, let's just, you know, and then they took, they told him. And then Dave said, I don't know why this guy's posting his show up. He sucks and his show sucks. So when he's talking about you, but he's talking about you or the other guy. No, he's talking about the other kid. Okay. Uh, and so I was like, oh, okay. So Dave took it down. And then I got an argument with this other kid, Francis, and they bombarded me and fucking set me up basically. And then that kid came on and pretended like he was the biggest victim in the world. And I, I shouldn't have lost my cool though, man. I, I, I was an idiot. I should have handled it way differently. And I didn't. And then uh, motherfuckers got mad at me and I just, it was kind of my demise in that building after that. That was a wrap, bro. I just never really got along. I mean, I never really got along or really meshed there anyways. Yeah. Um, that wasn't my people. Um, kind of like people were nice. People were cool. But I just never really got 
and the vibe there. Right. And when that happened, it just fucking ruined my shit. Well, if you could have done things differently, I mean, looking back now, hindsight being 2020, how would you have handled it differently? I definitely wouldn't argue with him on the air, man. I'd be like, you know what, dude, you got you go ahead and do your show, bro. Do your show, have a good time. Like I, Paul, I, I would have never disagreed with anything. I would have just let it all fly, bro. Hey, you nah, know what? Everybody can do what they want to do, no, man. That's not you. That's not you. You had a fight <clears> at, <throat> at a Chevy's with a crackhead, so that's not you. Yeah. You know, I but mean, that you was I, that. You know, that was that was legit because he was coming at like <laughs> this kid. I, I should have fought him at Rough and Rowdy is what I should also I see lit because he was offering to fight and I would have fought him because I already had, I would have beat the fuck out of him, man. Yeah, I mean, but, but he, um, it's hindsight you know, being twenty two. But you know what? But you said that in the beginning of this chat when you said. That divine intervention, and and when you said that, everything you've talked, we've talked about. That's what's happened. I mean, if you look at life, okay, yeah, the show went on, but you met your fiance from this, right? Mm -hmm. You met your fiance. You started. You had another podcast with Ty with the uh, uh, Guns Blazing, guns right? Blazing. Yeah, the yeah, Guns yeah. Blazing podcast. You still got your twenty dollars chef podcast, dude. I mean, uh, not podcast, but twenty dollars chef. If you ever want to go to Instagram, please watch twenty dollars chef. That is a that is I'm talking about that is great. It literally is great because it's Thank like you. it's like balling on a budget. If you're like a single guy like myself, you ball on a budget and you and it's quick and it's funny and it's you, man. You got to know you. You're funny, you're abrasive and aggressive, but not in a bad way. It's a it's a you're a good aggressive and it's it's just fun. Everything you do is fun and that's it's like it. It's that divine intervention and I it yeah it's all we're gonna ask you know and again like right now like. I was way, I was floating way higher back in like, like uh, at the peak of the summer of 2019. Like that's when that shit popped off, which sucks. But, you know, I had the show and Tornado Chef was doing good and I had everything going nice. And, and, you know, and to this day though, like I, I everything has just kind of stopped. Like growth is stopped. I, I mean, I just got to, again, I, you can't question the universe and I'm, you know, I'm hoping to Christ that, uh, the push through continues like you always got to, you know, I had to push through after fluffy. I had a nice little two year down there yeah. before, I, before I got to Indy and then I found my way again. Yeah. You know, and I, I just, I just, I guess, you know, we talked about the other day on the, on the podcast with Todd, we, you know, we, we're, we're pretty positive, but I just like when, uh, when, when, when does the rebuild have to, when does the rebuild process got to, when, when can I just keep building off of what I already have? Why do I got to, you know, like I, again, you can't question the universe and I, you know, and I'm still in a funk right now. I'd say like, I've definitely been in better positions in my life right. and we're trying our ass off. We're trying, man. We're, we're, we're working hard. We're, you know, we record twice a week. We were, we're always like, we're working with the ACL. We're always trying to grow and, and, and put out new fun, refreshing content and do fun things. But it's just, you know, again, here we are. I'm in another rebuilding process. You're like, fuck, but I got to trust it because that's how it works with the universe. Like, you can't question it. I'm not really a religious dude. I'm more of a, like a spiritual dude. Like, right. But again, like, oh, man, here we go again. But here you we go again. But here it is, though, man. I mean, you're saying this, but I'm looking at you. Honestly, I look at your followers. You have like 36,000 and, and what you do. And I'm looking at you as like, God damn it. I would, I would love to be in your position. And you're saying this. So that's just how life is, man. We got to keep pushing everything we do. Yeah. I mean, this, okay. Let me look at life. This time last year, I was in a funk. I mean, this, this show right here, I can't say it saved my life, but this show here, man, elevated me. Cause you know, when this thing first hit, 
when when the virus first hit, I was depressed. I would do this show saved like my soul, man, because I was like depressed, like ah, oh, you know, no shows going on. I ain't got no money coming in. Then you guys said, hey, let's do a want to be a guest on the podcast. Like I said, you guys yeah. threw me that money, man. I I was damn near tearing up, like fuck. I went and got some groceries at night because when you guys Venmo me that money, I was like, thanks, man. I was, I remember being admired going. <sighs> And I fucking got a hundred dollars worth well, of groceries. Fucking well, crying we, my ass off. So yeah, but, I was. Yeah. But that's I life. was blessed last year to keep a job. Like, I was blessed to have the job last year. You know. But that's fucking so, life, man. And that's what we got. Yeah. We got to keep fucking pushing. And look at us now. Another year, I'm in a better place mentally. I mean, this today talking to you, I couldn't fucking wait to talk to you today because because like I said, in a, in the span of a year. I'm in a fucking better place mentally than I was last year. So you're going to get there. It's just going to happen. Hey, like the song says, you got to go through hell before you get to heaven. So you're going to get there, bro. You, I mean, you're doing better. Like you said, you got a fiance. You had your show on. Say, I would love to be in your position or be in your position now. So it's, you know, it's just one of those things you got to push through life. And I got to, I, man, I got to go. I, we got to have a part two. To, uh, we really do, Sean. I really do. I, I always, you know, like one of my favorite people on the planet to speak to is like, no matter what I'm doing or how I'm feeling, like I always know, like, it's just when I'm with you, I'm like, man, it just feels good like, <laughs> like the vibe is there though everything is just better man that's what i love and i was all happy whenever you asked me to be on here because i was like man that means i'm gonna have a good friday Fuck, dude i mean seriously that fuck that if you guys get a chance 20 dollars chef on instagram you gotta watch that shit funny and it'll make you go damn i want to and by the way i had a dude on to uh last this week his name is simon patterson he made christmas pizza i'm gonna introduce you guys on Ooh, instagram you okay. need to, you guys need to, to, to uh, get your wonder twins to activate he had christmas pizza he put ham turkey cranberry sauce on his pizza dude you gotta, okay. gotta do that he lived out of his van with a portable pizza oven you guys gotta get together man i'm gonna get you guys to get together and make pizzas or do whatever you guys gotta get together but man i am running late i gotta we gotta do a part two sean we gotta do a part two because man i look up to you and what you did for me man fuck, they hit me in my motherfucking feels dude i mean i was fucking tearing up i remember like i said being at a mire seeing that money come in and knowing i could eat that night fuck dude that hit me hard so thank you man for being the inspiration you're gonna get through i mean it, it's gonna happen dude i mean it's what we do hey we do what we do like like rocky said fighters fight we're comedians we find a fucking way bro because we, yes, we grind that shit so sean okay. latham look him up uh he and todd on the guns blazing podcast 20 dollars chef on his ig sean latham thank you so much bro i mean it from the bottom of my heart you are the fucking man and it's gonna work out for us man it is and uh, and man one day who knows maybe me you and talking do a show together that would be fucking awesome oh i can't wait we gotta I, do that i would open up for you guys i don't give a shit man let's just do it have some fun i mean that man so listen you're I gotta the best go. man my producers give me the rap i gotta go sean latham follow him on instagram also on his 20 dollars chef follow him on the uh, guns blazing podcast with, my, with our buddy todd McComas. and like i say around this time Thanks for watching and peace.